is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Sly and the Family Stone with It's a Family Affair. Good morning, this is Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, here on Jazz FM. Thank you very much for joining me. Jazz Shapers is the place where you can hear the very best of the people who are shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And I put them alongside their equivalents in the world of business, and we call them business shapers. I'm really pleased to say that Edward Perry is my business shaper today. Edward is the co-founder of the now high street name and high street brand called Cook, providing beautiful food which is ready for your freezer and then you eat it later with great joy and aplomb. You'll be hearing lots about how Edward has invented the 20-year overnight success of a business. It's doing fantastically. In addition to hearing from him, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea, some words of advice for your business. And then we come to the music, and we've got a fantastic feast of music today for you from the shapers of jazz, blues and soul. Frank Sinatra, Big Blue Eyes is in there. John Lee Hooker, and this from Candace Springs. That was Candace Springs with the thoughtful Novocaine heart. I like the name as well. Edward Perry, as I said, is my business shaper today here on Jazz Shapers. And Edward is the co-founder of a business that now many of you will know called Cook. And classically, you think, well, it's been around forever, hasn't it? And in fact, um, it has, but you probably hadn't heard of it and probably till, till, till a few years ago. Edward, I'm really happy to have you here. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Elliot. It has been almost 20 years, and now you have, I believe, 85 shops selling your great food around the country. That's right. You have concessions going on. You have a whole bunch of social impact stuff that's cooking, literally cooking as well. Tell me about why and how you got into this thing back in 1997. Why was it a food business? It all really started with my parents. They had, I grew up when I was a teenager, they had two small coffee shops, uh, one in Tunbridge, one in Sevenoaks in Kent. And they made beautiful sandwiches. They did cappuccinos and lattes at a time when you didn't find those on the high street, although they're ubiquitous now. And my mother's best friend made the cakes. And the cakes were absolutely superb. You know, they looked homemade, tasted homemade. And that's the environment I grew up in. I worked in the coffee shops during the holidays and stuff. So it was very much a sort of, you know, growing up in a small business thing. And after I left school, I didn't want to go to university. Um, I'd been to a public school, but I'd had a rich grandmother who'd paid the school fees. And so I had this duality going on of living with the reality of a small business. Um, But I got to the end of my time at school and I just thought, I don't want to be the poor kid anymore. I don't want to go to university and be the poor kid at uh, at university. I I want to get on with it. I just had, I suppose, looking back on it, I had a chip on my shoulder about it and I wanted to work. So after a couple of full starts with selling advertising space in London and stuff, 
I joined my parents' business at the age of 20 as a salesman because they'd set up a bakery to supply cakes to other coffee shops around the southeast. So I spent a lot of time traveling around the southeast, selling cakes into other coffee shops and caterers and stuff. And I thought I also set up a small shop for them, just selling cakes and puddings that were homemade. And within a year, it was doing quite well. And I thought, well, if we could make savory food to sell alongside their cakes and puddings, it could be something that could work on the high street. So like a small scale, but very, very high end Iceland, because my mother had always cooked for the freezer. So we all had a big chest freezer at home and there'd always be old ice cream tubs full of bolognese sauce or beef bourguignon or something like that. So I knew you could make nice food for the freezer. And so that was the that was what I wanted to do create my mother's home cooking on a big scale you talk about being firsthand in a family that was running a small business and i also was was um, very similarly to you um inside that family my mother's business was started at the kitchen table what did it feel like as you saw your parents working and going as a roller coaster up and down when some weeks were good and some weeks were bad did what impact has that had on you as a, as a person and in the way that you framed your own experience of business i suppose It was the immersiveness of it, the fact that it was so all-consuming. At the dinner table, we'd talk about sandwich fillings, what had, what hadn't sold with cakes. It was was an all-consuming thing. And so my view of business was always that if you're going to do it, you are all in. You've got to be, there's no half measures. And so, and that's how it's been for my, really for the last 20 years. Uh, possibly too much so sometimes you know it is you know you wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it it's it, it is relentless it's non-stop um, and so I think it's just the it's the total immersion within the business and then when you have the bad times which you know for us have been we've had a lot more bad times than we've had good times that's for sure you've just got to keep going it's that is the single most important quality that I saw in my parents and what they did in their business and actually you know we've just it's just persevere 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 it's so much more important than creativity or intelligence or planning or anything it's just perseverance keep going stay with me for more from my business shaper today edward perry co-founder of cook uh time for some more music and aptly i think this is from frank sinatra with i've got you under my skin I've got you under my skin I've got you deep in the heart of me So deep in my heart that you're really a part of me The delicious Frank Sinatra with I've Got You Under My Skin. Edward Perry is my business shaper today, co-founder of Cook, uh, almost 20 years old themselves, and he was um, talking earlier, talking earlier about the importance of perseverance and the importance of just, I think I'm going to use your words, keep going. Tell me about a bit, a few of those bumps along the road, because, you know, now people look on many high streets around the UK um, and they go, well, there they are lovely it looks a nice brand and the food's proper and there's obviously a sub they wouldn't say this but i'm looking at it as a business going well there's a supply chain that works and the names of the natty lollies that you can get in the summer which i did for my kids this summer are great and all that's been thought through go back into some of the darker times when you've gone i'm going to persevere but this is difficult tell me about one of those difficult times and then how you've got through it the first and most profound one was in fact about three weeks before we opened the first shop when we started the business with my co-founder, Dale. He was a chef 
and I had got to know him because I used to sell cakes to him. And I'd always, we'd hit it off straight away, and I always spoke to him about this idea about making frozen savoury meals. And he is a cockney, and he's never had a moment's self-doubt in his life, and he'd always go, all right, Edward, it's going to be fine. I know how to do it. It's easy. And I believed him. And uh, so we got going. You know, we borrowed about £30,000 off two different banks, um, just to get going for one shop and one kitchen, which even 20 years ago is not enough to set up a business, not even close. Uh, but we got going. But I was sure that Dale would be able to produce the kind of food that my mother used to make for the freezer straight away because he told me he could and I believed him. And the first thing he ever made for me uh, was a lentil and fennel bake. And I, I was living in a little flat in Clapham at the time and I was with my girlfriend. I got it back and I was fully expecting this thing to be absolutely fantastic. And it looked a bit odd and I put it in the oven and I got it out again and it was, it was like sort of black gruel and it smelt nasty and I took a mouthful and it was spitted out disgusting. It was horrible. And it was that moment where it was like a, it was like a flash of lightning, a thunderclap banging my head and I suddenly went, oh, heavens, everything that I assumed about what this business was going to be and how we would actually create this wonderful food was rubbish. It was going to be it was going to be really, really difficult to make it taste nice. And I suddenly thought, well, of course it's going to be difficult because if it was easy, it would be in freezers all over supermarkets already. And it was that just that moment where I realised how difficult it was going to be to make the food taste nice. And I remember sitting, it's the first and only time this has happened, but I sat in this fl- on the stairs in my flat in Clapham and I cried and I remember my girlfriend, now my wife Sophie, putting her arm around me and going, don't worry, it's going to be okay, you guys will figure it out. And, but I remember that being a real low point, realising that actually what everything that I'd assumed about the business was not true, and that actually figuring out how to make this food taste nice was going to be phenomenally difficult. And in terms of how we got through it, you know, that was just keeping going. It was three years... Uh, working in our first shop in Farnham, you know, did the usual entrepreneurial stuff, worked six days a week, didn't have a holiday. Sophie would come down during um, during the weekends and stuff and support me. But it was just, it was just sticking at it and believing, keeping the belief that this was a good idea and that we could make the food taste nice. And here he is today with 85 shops. Um, his heads are not in his hand. He's not on his, sh- his, his flat in Clapham and he's doing really well. So you can make it happen. Much more coming up from Edward. But it, before that, some travel in a couple of minutes. And before that, even, there'll be some words of wisdom from our programme partners at Mishkondorea for your business. My name's Sharon Tan. I'm a partner in the employment team at Mishkondorea. One of the questions that I'm asked by clients most frequently is, how do I deal with somebody who is underperforming? It's a very difficult thing, actually, this to get right, and it crops up very frequently in practice. And the reason it's difficult to get right is that it's very difficult often for people to acknowledge that they aren't performing. We all find it a very difficult thing to admit, even to ourselves. And, of course, it's very important to make sure that you handle things in a legally compliant manner whenever you are dealing with these issues. But I think it's as important to bear in mind that you are dealing with a human being because in practical terms what I have seen is that people are much more likely to sue litigation is more likely to materialise and unhappiness on all fronts is likely to result if people feel that they haven't been treated fairly properly and appropriately in the circumstances so the two really go hand in hand and I think that is critical as a point to bear in mind whenever you are managing somebody who you don't think is coming up to scratch. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. 
You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, here on Jazz FM every Saturday. I get to meet someone who's shaping the world of business, and I've met many of them. Today, Edward Perry is my business shaper. He's the co-founder of Cook, um, 85 shops across the UK, edging towards, I believe, a £50 million turnover, uh, which has jumped quite considerably, which I'm going to come to in a minute. But it wasn't always thus. And, I, and Edward, you mentioned very honestly, um, right at the beginning, before you even got the first shop open, what was going on for you and how that hit you emotionally. Tell me about the 2000 recession I believe that was also a bit of a a bit of a troubling moment yeah more than a bit um, it was I was it, being kind thank you thank you no it was a proper near-death experience we'd had a good time from about 2000 up till 2008 my brother had joined the business who actually really ran the business um, my brother James who's brilliant my sister Rosie had joined the business my wife Sophie was part of the business and ran the brand and she was great and Dale was running the kitchen and figuring out how to make the food taste great and so I've always been surrounded by these brilliant people and that had taken us to this point where we built a new kitchen in 2007 we borrowed a lot of money in hindsight a crazy amount of money to build this new kitchen open a lot of shops and it was in 2007 was supposed to be after 10 years of toil and strife and hard work it was our sort of it was going to be the glory moment we opened the new kitchen we opened the new shops and it was all going to be great we finally arrived in the hallowed in the hallowed land and actually what happened was completely the opposite we borrowed all this money uh, we opened a lot of shops. I made a lot of bad decisions on shop sites. Um, didn't spend enough time, care and care in where the shops were opening. And um, then Lehman Brothers happened. On the day, we opened our 30-second shop. So almost at, it's almost poetic in how awful it was. At our point of maximum borrowing, Lehman Brothers went down. And overnight, shops uh, sales dropped by about 10% in every single one of our shops. They then dropped by another 10%. And so we were in October, me and my brother and our head of finance, Jeff, uh, we sat down in a little room in uh, Tunbridge and we looked at the projections and which were obviously completely different from when we borrowed the money. And we realized that if we didn't do something radical, we'd be going out of business in five months time. Sales carried on going down. We cut, we cut every cost out of the business that we possibly could. We made people redundant. The only thing we never compromised on was the quality of ingredients coming through the door. If you do that, you forfeit your right to survive. So we didn't do that, but we did everything else. We even had to do a deal with every single one of our landlords to pay 50% rent, uh, which we somehow managed to get over the line. All of them had to sign up. Um, we had to borrow a million pounds uh, off some, some very nice man that we knew, but that was secured on my parents' house and the little equity I had in my house and so, and my brother as well. And, um, but it got us so bad that it still looked like we weren't going to get through. And my parents even phoned up the council at one point about emergency, uh, emergency accommodation because they thought they were going to lose the house. I mean, it was desperate straits. We had a meeting about a pre-pack administration, but and it was tempting at one point to do it but there was just something inside us that went no we can get through this if we can just you know somehow weather the storm and just keep going we'll be okay and we had offers from private equity um but it wasn't we realized that if we took the money then we would be compromising our independence forevermore in terms of how we actually want to run the business and um, our long-term independence was always Im important to us and so we somehow got through um, but by the skin of our teeth and I think really it's only probably 2012 2013 
that we were properly safe again. So, you know, it was a very, particularly 2008 to 10 was extremely painful. And actually, I look back on it now, I can't remember anything. We had our second child at the time, and I look back at his first two years, and I look at the pictures, and it's just, I can't remember anything at all. It's weird. I tell you what, that's an incredibly personal effect of a business on you and on your family, and amazing that you came through it. It just shows you can and that it takes time. Much more coming up from Edward. Um, I'm intrigued to find out how that corner was turned. Time for some more music in the meantime. This is Yana Bibb with Bessie's Advice. If the shoe don't fit, honey, don't keep it on. If you're looking for a king, why settle for a pawn? If you don't want to stay, girl, get gone. It's all right. That was Yana Bibb with Bessie's advice. She's the daughter of Eric Bibb, if you'd like to know, and I hope you do, because I've just told you. Edward Perry is my business shaper, co-founder of Cook. Um, it almost wasn't back in 1997. It almost wasn't again back in 2008. But perseverance, I imagine, uh, steel, steel constitutions around you and the family have kept it going. And then I want to understand this. We're now looking at a business which is really successful, Edward, OK? We're now looking at really strong growth year on year, sort of 15% up, 10% up. What you described before was a dark moment, and it wasn't just for a few months. It went on for a few years. I understand that the hunkering down and all that, but how did the business start to grow again? When did that, why did it grow? What, what did you do differently? In terms of how we got through it, one, one of the crucial things was we had a head of finance, Jeff, and my brother also, James, who were brilliant at cash management. We had what we called the Wiggly line, and which was our cash, cash flow line which was brilliantly planned and we checked the bank balance once or twice a day and we were a slave to that line. And it was, so in terms of the discipline of getting through, it was really, really, really good cash management. Um, so, But in terms of strategically how we did it, we basically opened up new space. We built a big new kitchen, which had lots of capacity. We didn't have any money to open new shops. So we started opening a lot of space in farm shops and independent retailers. So although we've never wanted to deal with the big supermarkets, because we've always believed that if you do that, you end up working for them in one shape or another. So that was our way of doing it. So a lot of independent retailers, a lot of farm shops, we would put two freezers, four freezers in that sort of space. And that made a huge difference. And also by 2010, we were secure financially enough to be able to offer a franchise package. So we started opening a few franchise stores and that helped as well. So essentially, it was about opening new space to utilize the kitchen asset that we built. You talk a lot about different people in the business and a lot of them are your family and, uh, and all that. How has this, it sounds like your partners, and I don't mean that in the financial sense, I mean that in the kind of your, there's a cause there. How has that dynamic evolved over the years? You know, you said, oh, James, I think it was James, was running the business and then this happened. It doesn't sound like there's much argy-bargy. <laughs> oh, good. There is, um, <laughs> is argy-bargy. I mean, um, who actually is in charge? The, or are you all I, in, are Well, you? I, I am in charge kind of at the moment, <laughs> uh, though actually my sister Rosie is actually now the MD. But there has been... There's always arguments. There's always stresses because everyone feels very passionately about things. However, there's never been any what I'd describe as big fallouts because essentially we all share the same values, um, which 
we have sort of passed into the business, the wider business. And so we share the same values and also the same desire for, you know, Cook to be a force for good in society. So the ultimate output we are agreed on. So what we tend to disagree on is stylistic things or, you know, it's bits and pieces, but all the we fundamentally trust each other. So that prevents us ever really falling out. You know, there's always going to be arguments. And if they're if you're not arguing a little bit, you're not trying hard enough. So but never anything more than that. Uh, we'll have a final chat with Edwin. I'm going to talk about your values and the force for good and the fact that you are indeed doing a lot of things which are not just good for your own employees but good for the community. Final chat come up with Edwin. We'll talk about that plus more. And we'll be playing a track from John Lee Hooker and that's after the latest Traffic and Travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. <laughs> That was John Lee Hooker with Dimples. Edward Berry is my business shaper just for a few more minutes. Your values, and there's a lot of things that this touches in terms of doing good. You have uh, living wage is important to you guys. You've got this One Feeds Two program. You've got this Source program, the Caring Hands Community program. You're the first certified B Corporations business. I mean, there's so many things, and and, and people are going, what are those? And and I urge you to look at the website and, and see. But tell me in your own words what's most important to you about legacy and and those values as you move forward to the next 20 years of your business i think the first thing to say is it's very much not just about me it's about me and my family my wife sophie and the other and dale who founded the business as well because i'm just one part of it but we all basically believe the same thing that business should be a force for good in society we live in a world where governments can do so much and we all know that that you know it can be pretty inefficient we know charities can do so much but actually if if the world is going to be a better place, then business offers the best chance of making improvements to society. And that means as an owner of a business and the owner of capital, one has to consider the environmental impacts of one's actions, your responsibilities to employees, responsibilities to suppliers, responsibilities to the communities within which you operate. For too long, I think, business or a number of businesses have purely concentrated on maximizing financial return for a bunch of disconnected shareholders. And I think we're moving into an age where the owners of capital, the owners of businesses have got a broader responsibility to society. And I think this is, we're still, we still very much feel we're at the beginning of that journey um, in terms of what the business could look like in 20 years time. But yeah, we want Cook to be a force for good in society. And, you know, we're committed to long-term ownership of the business. And so that's what we're doing. This 20-year moment, which is just about to come in yeah. 2017, is, is one thing. What do you think, looking forward, is really important to you? What is the thing that really matters to you, both from a personal point of view and a business point of view, if you like? Is there something where you go, this is going to be my code? Okay, from, from a personal point of view, something I'm going through at the moment, really, is I think the 20-year the anniversary is focus my mind a little bit and also with my sister taking over more and more of the day-to-day responsibility of the business and frankly doing it much much better than me I have spent a long time totally immersed in the business and you know every Monday I look at what the like-for-like sales are from the previous week and that 
essentially determines the foundation of my mood for the rest of the week, which is quite an intense thing to sort of live with, you know. And I think that from a personal point of view, whilst I'm always going to be passionately committed to the business and I never want to do anything else, I think personally I could do with a bit more perspective and actually cook needs to be, I think, more part of my life rather than all of my life, if I'm totally honest. So it's finding that balance in my own life. And then in terms of what I want from Cook, I want I, being the biggest is of no interest to me. And I don't think it's of any interest to my family and the other people who are in the business. But I, I think we are interested in being the best in terms of uh, people being able to look at our business and actually being able to say, you know, not only is their food absolutely the best out there um, in terms of prepared meals, prepared puddings and stuff like that the food needs to be the best but also um, our outputs in terms of how we treat our employees um, our relationship with the environment and our relationship with the communities there need to be absolutely crystal clear outputs that cook has as a business and other businesses ultimately to look at what we're doing again hey that's cool Um, so yeah that's that's about it fantastic to talk to you i've really enjoyed it edward um I'm not going to let you go just now because I need to know what your song choice is and why you've chosen it. My song choice is How My Heart Sings by Bill Evans because when we first opened the shop in Farnham, I remember listening to Desert Island Discs going on my way down to the shop and um, Bruce Forsyth was on and one of his songs was a Bill Evans tune and I listened to it and I thought, oh, that's absolutely brilliant. So I went and bought a CD. How My Heart Sings was the first song and there was a lot of time in the that first shop where we have very, very few customers and it was very lonely and it was difficult. And when I was feeling down, I would always go and put this song on and it would always give me a lift and, and make me feel happy and positive again. So, Well, here it is just for you and I hope it gives you a lift too. Thank you, Elliot. My Heart Sings from Bill Evans, the song choice of my business shaper today, Edward Perry. Some fantastic words of advice for anyone running a business. You've got to be all in. You've got to be completely consumed in that business to make it work. And then you've got to really keep going. I love what he said about the wiggly line, the cash management piece. It's absolutely critical. People say cash is king and he's absolutely right. And finally, I love this point about the next 20 years for him. Business should be a force for good. That, I think, is what's going to sustain his fantastic business called Cook. Really good stuff. Do join me again, same time, same place, 9am sharp here on Jazz FM. Meanwhile, stay with us because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.